Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Manchester United 3, Tottenham Hotspur 2. That's what we're here to discuss. It was not a fun day at Old Trafford. Uh, I've got Scott and Caroline here to recap it with me. Scott is at DSM Spurs. What's going on, my friend? Not much, man. Good old Sunday morning up here in Seattle. and Trying to think of a witty way to come in, but I don't really have the energy this weekend. So um, I'm down to talk about golf, maybe a little golf pot or something like that, if you guys are interested. But but if, if we must talk Tottenham, I will I will be here to do so. A lot of golf being consumed by your boy over here. I've actually got it on in the background as we record this on a Sunday morning. I think you're sluggish because of the daylight saving time thing, right? I mean, that's got to be it. See, for, yeah, for me in Arizona, from here in Arizona, we don't we don't mess with that nonsense. We just keep our clocks. We let the rest of you, you, you bozos like switch around twice a year. And we don't deal with that here in Arizona. So I'm, I'm, I'm peppy. I'm fine. I'm feeling a lot better than I was yesterday. I was, I was, uh, the mood was, was not good around the, uh, the Stetka household yesterday following this defeat. And, uh, you know, we, we're doing a little bit better nearly, uh, nearly 24 hours later. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Caroline is at CG Stefko. She's also with us. Caroline, how are you feeling on this, uh, this fine Sunday morning? I am also suffering from daylight saving time, <laughs> brain fog. Uh, yeah, last night, I know a lot of us on the Depot crew were watching our USL teams, and then I got up early to watch the women's first team. So burning the candle at both ends, but I'm here, and I'm ready to talk. <laughs> yeah, victories for, for all the Depot crew's USL teams. Uh, your San Antonio squad, my mine and Scott's Phoenix Rising, and uh, and Todd got his San Diego Loyal got a a win at the death last night over Los Dos, uh, which is always fun. And by the way, thank you for saying daylight saving time. One of my biggest pet peeves is that people throw an S on the end of the word saving and make yeah. it daylight savings time. Um, all of you heathens that do that can honestly kick rocks. Uh, that is, that is one I'm one of those, and I'll make sure I drop one in this episode for you. Yeah, y'all yeah, know I'm a pronunciation stickler. So you are, you are these, 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 these absolute uh, imbeciles, and I include Scott in that for sure. Who, uh, who try to mess, mess with the words. I, I used to be an editor who had to get that right, and I had to, to, to harp on people about it. So it, it, it got ingrained into my brain that that's the way you say it. Um, is daylight saving time. You're not savings time. You're saving time. Uh, or are we? Or yes, or are we? That's that's a whole. You know what? We could do a pot on that too. We could do a pot on golf. We could do a pot on on the law regarding uh, daylight saving time. Um, anything to avoid talking about uh, a heartbreaking defeat at Old Trafford, right? Um, let's get into it though. Uh, Spurs, as I mentioned, lose three two. Uh, victim of a Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo hat trick, which uh, I think is the part of this that pissed me off the most yesterday. Um, just the Ronaldo of it all, the Ronaldo praise, the Ronaldo this, the Ronaldo that. Um, the lineup, though, for Spurs was pretty much expected. We knew that Ryan Sessegnon uh, 
is 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 down and out again. So Sergio Reguilon, the one change from the Everton match uh, last Monday, um, but otherwise a really standard lineup. And I guess Scott, when we look at this thing, this game overall, I, I just think it's such a weird match for me to even try to break down because I thought Spurs played so damn well, and it was just kind of weird weird shit that happened to them and they battled back from from one nil down and from two one down and then still managed to lose the match and it's just it's a frustrating and weird conversation to have surrounding this game because i thought spurs played really well and united were there for the taking and yet we're here talking about no points yeah I have mixed emotions because I, I I do agree we played well. I mean, we took it to them, and I even said that pretty early in the game before it all unraveled, right, that that I was impressed, I think, at 1-0 at, at the way we were taking it to them. But I'll be honest, and as I reflected back even during the match and then yesterday and whatnot, I went and played 18 solo after the match, and that's always a you know good time to just – look back on a match right and 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 uh, honestly i felt fine right i was enjoying my golf but i i think i think i have to chalk it up to the decision making from uh the manager ralph ragnick over there um i think he actually understood that if they let us have the game we were going to have a tricky time and we, we always do right when when people when people play a low block against us we're always going to struggle. And I don't think United played a low block necessarily, but as much of one as they could play for the way that they play football, right? They played very defensive yesterday. And I think that we were outmanaged because our goals came from a, a great a great play, but it was still a deflection where, where if Maguire gets his foot square on that, we don't get a goal and then a penalty, right? So it could have been 3-0 yesterday, in my opinion. Um, I think we were outmanaged. And I think Ragnick understood that if you let us have the game, we're not going to do a whole lot with it, right? Um, I think if he if he knew if he came forward like a Leeds or like an Everton, we had the potential to smoke him on the counter three or four times, right? So it was almost like he said, you know, I'm not going to let you counter because you've been doing it so effectively, Conte. Um, I'm going to force you to play, you know, a situation where you, you're going to want to play Matt Doherty because I'm going to let you have the game, right? If I take the game to you, I'm I, I'm I'm going to force you to put Emerson on the field, who's going to defend better and probably stagnate things. So there was a lot of moving pieces, I think that that I, that allow me to feel comfortable chalking this one up to being outmanaged by Ralph Ragnick yesterday, unfortunately. Yeah, and that seems to be weirdly a I don't want to say it's a recurring theme, but it's something that's cropped up here in that. Antonio Conte seems to want to play his style of football rather than take his team and adapt it to what you're going to see from the opponent. And, you know, you're right. United didn't play a low block. And in fact, when you look at the statistics, it's like, oh, Spurs had 56% of the ball and they, you know, they produced a half goal more of XG than United did. I mean, for United to score three times and only have uh, 0.92 expected goals, like, you say what a defensive performance. It's just, it seems unlucky almost that they would score three without even producing a full goal of XG. Um, Caroline, do you kind of see it that way as, as slightly unlucky or, or is there more, <laughs> there more to be said about the way Conte set us up? Yeah. I'm of two minds with this game because on the one hand, I do think that overall our performance was decent. I won't say it was a good performance, but you know, not not too much to complain about. And it happens in the Premier League that 
sometimes you play a good game and you still lose. It does happen. The frustrating thing is just that Manchester United have been in a bad, you know, a bad spot lately. And I feel like this was the time when we needed to really take advantage of their recent form. And we did not. And I think you're right to point out that Conte has been a little uh, inflexible with his tactics. And you can see it on the pitch. Like we've had some positional flexibility, but I think when it comes to the actual game plan, we're not doing a good job of adapting in the moment uh, to what's happening in the game. Um, Like, you know, Ronaldo, (laughs) I hate to even say his name, by the way, Um, that after, you know, after, after the first goal, and especially after the second goal, I don't understand how he continued to get as much space as he did to, yeah. you know, the de- the defense just, they should have just locked on to him, honestly, because the rest of United, I don't feel like we're offering that much going forward. Maybe Sancho to a degree, but, you know, Rashford was out of the game, basically. He had no effect. Pogba, no effect. So it was disappointing that we couldn't react to that in the moment. Yeah, it's amazing when when you look at United and you mentioned it, a team that's, that hasn't really been in form. Um, you know, they got their butts whooped by by City the weekend after we took it to City. Um, and just another one of these teams that's kind of scratching and clawing and trying to get after top four and, and are currently now because of, of, of the result in the top four, uh, at least for now. Um, it, it just felt like this was a team there for the taking. And... Spurs weren't able to take it um and and you know you reference some of the statistics and it's like if 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 Spurs can can possess the ball and create as many chances as they did now granted a lot of those kind of I feel like came in the first half the first half um xg is is monumentally better than the second half um Spurs were kind of it felt like always chasing the game and when they got that equalizer um that really did feel like a moment it felt you know even though it was an own goal um off of uh off of harry Maguire, it felt it really felt like a moment with i think it was less than 20 minutes to go at that point um and you felt like all right we're in this thing and now we can maybe go on and win it because spurs were i felt like the better team um and it just you know you can't you can't come away from a match saying you're the better team when you lose three two but in this case, it kind of almost felt like they, they, they were, and they could. Um, but I don't know, Scott, is there some kind of just, I I hate even going down this route, but is there some kind of just DNA thing with, with losing a match like this? Or was this just, I mean, cause I feel like we say these kinds of things all the time, you know, they, the, the Burnley loss, um, you know, the, the way that they played against Leeds, the, the yo-yo effect is, is, is what we're talking about here. It's just a very strange um, up and down nature of what's going on right now at Spurs. Yeah, man. I mean, I have to go back to your to your point earlier, you know, or your question rather that you pose, you know, is the Conte system being forced onto a group of players that aren't capable of doing it? And 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 I'll get into why. Um I'm going to have to bring up my boy Jose again. And I don't say my boy Jose. Like, this is banter at this point to anyone listening, right? Like, I I will support anyone that's the manager of this club, as I did Jose when he was at the helm, right? I'm not a Jose fanboy or whatever. Andrew and I have a deep history of banter here, right? So, But when I look at Jose, he understood that we had a, a very talented group of forwards, world-class, and a really, really average and stagnant defense who, most importantly – 
is very capable of switching off. They, they have a hard time staying diligently focused throughout a match, right? If if that's my group of players, I'm playing defensive as shit. Like, there's no questions asked there, right? Like, you have to. You have you have a terrible midfield that can't progress the ball. That There's no other way to play soccer at that point, right? You play a low block and you try to ping people on the counter with long balls. We did it under Jose. Kanan's son scored like 5,000 goals that season. Um, now I look at what we're doing now or when I look at what we're doing now, it's not a hard picture to paint when, when anytime we've had the ball again, back to Ragnick out managing us yesterday, you expose yourself to those momentary lapses really, really hurting you. Or I, I'm trying to think of a more elegant way to say this, right. But like when you're playing the way we're playing and you have that type of, you know, that core group of defenders who are capable of switching off and a midfield who struggles, to, to make things happen with the ball of their feet, you're just asking to get beat like we did yesterday. And so I don't, I don't think it's a DNA thing. Well, maybe it is, but I just think we have a group of guys who are not capable of playing on the front foot. And we've continued to do that for too long, right? It, it started to sputter under Potch. He understood that his way of playing football, which I, I love Potch, but he has one way of playing. He, he ha- literally has only one way of playing soccer, right? It's okay. He's, He's a man manager. He's not a tactician, right? He is so good at taking someone under his wing and turning them into something more than they should be, right? But he's not a tactician. We started to sputter under him because we didn't have the group that could play his way. Enter Jose. He kind of figured it out, right? We were leading the league at Christmas, and then Kane got hurt, and it went wrong. The way we were playing under Jose, it was working, but it also was it was just teetering on a knife's edge, and then when Kane got injured the knife that fell over right and it all kind of crumbled but he was doing what he had to do Conte's here Conte's trying to play his way and it's just not you know efficient with this group that we have and I and I really chalk it up to the defenders and and still the midfield so you know we're going to get into what comes next but I don't really see our problem being fixed until we either a get a new group of defenders and midfielders or B change the way we're playing. And I don't think, I think changing the way we're playing is, is a bandaid, right? Um, if we want to continue to have a manager like Conte and continue to play attacking football, we're going to have to revamp our squad. So I do think playing defensive football is a bandaid, but that, then that begs the question, you know, what is Enoch doing? I don't want to fucking have that conversation. So um, yeah, I don't know. K- Caroline is, is there a way to stop the yo-yo effect or is it just a matter of when this team has more possession, it's going to lose. And when it sits back and has less defense, less possession and plays more defensively in counterattacks, it has a better chance to win. It's interesting that Scott did bring back the Mourinho tenure and talked about the weaknesses that we had back, back then. Because I do think we've made a couple of key upgrades in both the defense and the midfield, like with Romero, although we know he is prone to the momentary lapse, um, but also Benton Kerr uh, coming into the midfield. I think that the system that Conte has been using when our players are in peak form, it, it does work well. But the problem is, like we've said a million times, we don't have great squad depth. So if one of those piece, key pieces is not having a great game, it, it's just like the whole system collapses. So I, you know, I'm not a big fan of calling out individual players, but 
I do think it's worth noting that Benton Kerr did not have a great game against Manchester United. And, you know, he's, he's that central cog in the midfield. And I think that was one of our big issues yesterday was that the midfield, we were getting walked all over and yeah. So I, I don't know. It's a tricky one. It's, I I don't want to feel like pessimistic about how the rest of the season is going to go not to jump the gun on like the top four conversation, but it does kind of feel like our, our squad depth is really going to be the thing that holds us back. Yeah. Let's um let's let's enter in a new addition to the pod here. Uh our boy Shuban has joined at the real Shuban. And I think if anybody can give us perspective on what happened at Old Trafford yesterday, it's probably Shuban because this man was there. He he attended the match. Uh Shuban, first of all, hello, how are you? And how are how was yesterday? Um, so yeah, it was great. I mean for me it was um it was a bit of a mission getting up to getting up to Old, Old Trafford because um, just that's just, just a really complicated situation. But just getting up to Old Trafford, that was great. My mate got had some really good seats. I, for those who don't know, um, I actually went to school with a former United footballer, so and that was great. So that's um, that's a if you want to pay a lot of money to Tottenham Depot, we'll share that video with you. <laughs> and um, but no, um, no, it was great. I mean, so here's the thing. I once went to see Spurs play Real Madrid just because I wanted to see Ronaldo play. And believe me, I saw Ronaldo play yesterday. He has some real quality. I think, maybe because I've obviously, I, obviously, the way I see the game is different because obviously I don't have the benefits of replays and anything else like that. But I didn't feel there was, I do feel that there was, there wasn't really that much quality really in either side. But the one player that did have quality, I think, was definitely for them, um, uh, Fred shows some real, real good quality, good energy, and obviously Cristiano. And people can say, "Oh, Dyer should have, you know, closed that anyway." He should have done. It. No, yeah, he should have been aware. Got the call. Say, look, you, you know what? Spread your arms wide, make yourself big because you're outside the penalty area. So it'll be a, at worst, it's not going to be a penalty, but it'll be a free kick. So there was a lack of communication. I look. You guys know what I feel about Reggie. If he was right-footed, he'd probably be a League One defender, you know. And I'm not going to use the excuse that this was his first game back. This is his first four game back, yes. But he didn't show enough. And ultimately, they didn't give a shit about his ability to cross because he never crossed the ball once, not really. I think I don't know, maybe for the second goal, maybe. But that first half, when I was watching him going down my flank, every time he looked to cut in, I'm like, well, no, you're not Philip Lahm. You're not going to try and cut in your right foot. You're left-footed. So do something in your left foot. Um, Benton Court, do you know what? I thought there were good moments. There were some good tackles. There were moments when he had the ball. There was good, I think, good touches and good quality from him. Was this his best game? No, but he was going up against a very good midfield, in my opinion. And James had, you know, Fred had a very good game, which is uncharacteristic of him. I mean, like, the little touch from him, it's not something I'd expect for the first goal. I didn't expect that from Fred. But, yeah, he did that. So, like I said... For me, it was great. Um, I think some of you guys have... For me, for me, to go to Old Trafford, I got to see... I was like, what, 25 yards away from Sir Alex Ferguson, the greatest manager in my lifetime. And that is something that I will say, look, you know what? I saw a Ronaldo hat-trick and I saw Sir Alex Ferguson. And I got to meet Brian Robson, who, Mexico 6, he was one of my heroes growing up as a kid. And, um, yeah, and after, afterwards, obviously... 
the infamous Go Compare guy, <laughs> guy Win Evans, who those you don't know. So Go Compare, well, I don't think you have Go Compare in America, but it's a price comparison website and it's just an opera singer. But the real life guy, Win Evans, he's a real life opera singer and he's a big Spurs fan. And he was kind enough to give a shout out to some friends of mine. I got to sing with a Go Compare guy. And I got to see a Ronaldo hat trick. So, do you know what? I mean, what can, I mean, yes, I would have liked to. I mean, I, I, do you know what? For me, it was Ronaldo three, Spurs two. Yeah. And yeah, that's a, and do you know what? I mean, I was actually telling some guys, I said, do you know what? You guys are too young to have seen Thundercats as a show. Okay. But ultimately, it's a battle of the talismans. You know, it was Kane, you know, Kane got a good, good penalty, a good, you know, good goal. I was so scared to watch it. I was actually recording it. My eyes closed because <laughs> that's how terrified I was. <laughs> it's like, and I heard a bunch of booze. I'm like, yeah, we, we, we scored. But like I said, I mean, I think Kulishevsky sells in promise. But ultimately, we don't have that squad depth where things, if things are not working out, we can't change it around. Yeah. I mean, Sonny, he kept falling over. I don't know what happened to his studs. I don't know what they did or something, but he kept, they sprayed deliberately so he'd fall over, but he just couldn't keep his balance. Ultimately, we are a top-heavy side. When Sun and Kane are just, you know, when it's really clicking for them, it's great. But as Blackburn Rose found out back in the mid-90s, if you can nullify the top two, which largely, you know, um, United were able to realistically, Southern didn't get, they didn't get a lot of service, they kind of nullified, then, you know, we don't have enough in that midfield. I think Hoybier... You know, he showed some good numbers. But it's like Pogba. I mean, Pogba, yeah, do you know what? It was his pass that, you know, eventually led to the corner, which, you know, which obviously led to the goal. But he really didn't do that much. I mean, that's the thing. In terms of sheer quality, people will say, oh, this player played well. Not really. I don't think United, apart from, say, Fred Matic played all right. Actually, Matic played some decent stuff, which for a guy who's now in his mid-30s as well, you know, showed some really showed some good touches, good energy, good positioning. But like I said, I think as Kaz said, you know what? Our lack of quality throughout in just in depth is just not there. And you can't, I mean, in just in terms of like the organizing that line, but yes, you should say Dyer should have made done a lot better. But where was his midfield protection? Where was that midfielder protecting him in front of it, being that shield? If that is Ollie Skip, I'm not gonna look, maybe people can say I'm being brave because TC isn't here to back up his Viking. So yeah, I'm gonna slag off. No, I'm not gonna slag off. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope, hope yeah. But, you know, but what I'm saying is, if Skip had been there, I think we were less vulnerable. But that was a sumptuous volley, absolutely sumptuous. And sometimes, do you know what? Um, I think I think Scotty can obviously obviously. I don't know if Dave was there for that UV game, but Joe. Sometimes you just have to applaud that level of quality. It sucks for me. Really does suck, and do you know what? If I could have spat on Tom Brady, I would have because he was obviously backing United. But you know what I mean? But well, do you know I, what? I think your point is well taken, though. That there there wasn't, and I think that's what makes this this kind of quote unquote race for the top four so funny is that there wasn't a ton of quality on either side except for the finishing quality of one player, and that's what was the obviously proved to be the difference in the game. Think about if. You know, and and Ronaldo is coming off, by the way, an injury, which a lot of people forget about. Like he he hadn't he didn't play last weekend. Um, I actually wasn't sure he was going to play this week, and instead it was Bruno Fernandez who was missing from from United's lineup. Um, 
But just imagine if he had been injured and they didn't have that finishing quality. Spurs win this thing going away. He was the difference, obviously, in this match. And as much as we all don't want to talk about this guy for many, many reasons, uh, off, off the field, most of them, um, I just it's it's extremely frustrating to to watch that happen and for them to not be able to stop it. I, I want to hit on your your Hoybier point though because. You know, Caroline mentioned that she didn't think Bentoncourt had the, the best game. You said you didn't think Hoiver had the best game. I'm going to side with 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 Caroline on that a little more because I actually thought Hoiver was so active, and I thought he was work just working really hard. There were a lot of moments, especially deep into that match, where you know it's late in the game and and the match tied, and I thought he was really hustling to balls and and making a lot of efforts to to chip balls forward. Um, you know, Hoybeard is, is not the the ball progressing midfielder that everyone kind of wants him to be like in the role that he plays for his national team. But he was doing a lot of the little things in that match. Betancourt for me looked a lot more like Harry Winks than Betancourt. Like he, 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 he looked like he was more on that end of the spectrum in this match. And that's not to say that he was horrific. He just looked more of, of a, of a Winks quality than he was of, a, of what we've seen from Betancourt more recently um I, I thought Betancourt and and you mentioned Reggion as well I thought those were the two players that stuck out like sore thumbs to me that were less than when it came to Spurs but overall I still don't think Spurs played all that bad well I think I think Bentancur looked a little bit more like Winks and and that's a good comparison because of how well shaped their midfield was right I think when your role is to progress the ball and the the team's uh, the the opposition's midfield's main goal is to stop you from doing that, right? It's it's going to make you look like you're having a rough game. Um, and I think on the PH point, PH did look very energetic, and I was impressed with him yesterday. He's got a lot of pressure on him right now because we all know when Skippy is back fit, like Skippy's going to be walking back into contention. I'm not saying walking back into the 11, but walking back into contention, right? And Bentaker is Conte's boy, like let's make that very clear. Right. So PH is, is, does see pressure in his future and he's really going to have to show a lot of quality right now to make sure that he staples himself into the 11. Right. So I think that's a lot of what we're seeing yesterday. I don't think he's technical enough to continue to hold this spot. So he's got to work harder than everybody else. Right. Um, and, and I'm okay with that because that's competition. Right. So I think once Skippy gets back, we'll see an improvement from our midfield, Skippy surprisingly can progress the ball in like very simple ways, you know, Um, and Bentaker can progress the ball in more intrinsic ways, in my opinion. And so I think those two will make a good pairing. But once we have some more competition, we will see a better midfield. I'm not going to say it's going to going to be quality enough to do what we need to do. Right. But it's going to be better. And that and that kind of speaks to the point that Caroline made earlier about the lack of depth. You know, you want three midfielders for two spots. Hell, you'd like to have four or five midfielders for two spots. Um, but right now I think Spurs would take three <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, they currently have, have two and then, and then winks, which, you know, there's not a lot of competition there. Um, I don't know. There's a lot more to discuss. We did get a voicemail uh, in from, from Christopher, Christopher Askew. So let's, let's play that now. And cause, cause this is going to, you know, kind of address, um, really what is a lot of, of the other questions that we kind of have uh, about this match. So let's, let's go to that right now. What's up Tottenham Deep Bow crew. Hopefully I can get this into you guys before you record. 
Um, so as our yo-yo form continues, I just wanted to ask if you think our shape under Conte is beginning to take form and if it will realistically stable itself in time to get us to the top four. Looking back, Leeds was a positive step, but ultimately a false dawn. Everton was great, and while we played well against United, we ultimately lost to Ronaldo FC. Also, do you think it's time to leave Sun out for a game or two? He looks low on confidence and unable to make that split-second decision that can change the game. Holding on to the ball, a touch too long, not shooting, you know, etc. Does he just need some rest? Do we stick through this rough patch, or do we give a chance to someone like Bergvine, who generally looks very dynamic when he comes on? Um, thank you all for the pod, and come on, you Spurs. Thanks again to Christopher for the question. A reminder, you can leave us a voicemail on the Anchor page. Um, you know, Sonny, Shuban, you saw it. I mean, you were there in person. What what was what was going on with Sonny? Let's let's address Sonny, the Sunny part of that question first. Well, I don't know if I was saying Tottenham or Walt Disney on ice because my God, Sonny kept falling over a lot. Um, it was, I don't know what it was. I don't, to be fair, I mean, he, he had his parts to play. I mean, because Kuliszewski was looking for him, the players were looking for him. He was making those runs. And like I said, a little bit of a better ball, a bit of a better touch. It's one of those things, sometimes when strikers are gold, they are gold. I mean, I think Sonny is number five, I think, in terms of Premier League scoring, I think, or six or something. He's got he's got a fair few goals this season. So it's not as if, yes, you could say it was Leeds, Everton, whatever, but he has got, he got himself the goals. But in all fairness, I just don't think, if I'm Steven Bergwijn and I'm doing it in training, obviously we can't see training, so we can't make a comparison. So Conte will look at that and he'll say, you know what, Sonny's my guy. He's doing it in training. He's performing better. Therefore, I'm going to give him the nod. It's up to Bergwijn to really go to the manager. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether you have this in American sports, but if if if, if a player like isn't playing well, like the wide receiver or whatever, whatever guy is not playing very well, he's dropping the ball, he's all bar, bar fingers. Does the person who normally, you know, we've had you know, he's not the manager, not said, you know what, Gaffer, give me a shot. If I'm Bergwijn. He has to show some personality and say, Do you know what, Gaff, give me a shot. Because Lucas came on and God bless his heart, he tried. But it, basically, United put up a really good wall and he hasn't got the ability to run past and draw past a lot of players, no matter how much he thinks he does. He isn't that kind of player. What it was Craig calling out for was a bit of creativity on the right side. Because everything was, honestly, I think, I don't know what Kaz and Scotty thought, but for me, everything was. We all kept looking for Kuliszewski to, like, you know what, do something. And he was. But if we had a little bit better balance on the other side, you know, maybe, do you know what? I would have honestly maybe sacrificed, you know, the centre back and gone to, say, a back four or something and going 4 3 3 or something just just to, or 4 2 3 1, whatever you're going to call it, just to get that extra bit of creativity onto that pitch. But so in terms of shape, um, yeah, obviously, we know Conte does like the. Three four three, and he, that's his form. Three four three, what you want to call it. But I really thought there was an opportunity there to, you know, go for that, go for a four three three. And I was thinking that, but here's one thing though: if you look at that um, Ronaldo winner, it's like that leaping sun. I've never, I'm, I'm unfortunately, I'm, I've never seen Jordan. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Jordan, but the way he did that, we just hung in the air. He was like a yeah. leaping salmon or something, and I just thought. Lord Almighty, he was like eight foot tall or something. Just ridiculous. Yeah. And that is that is such a good quality. You cannot really anticipate that. 
So all you can do is just hold your hand. But like I said, I think there is work to do on the drawing board. We are going to play a wounded Brighton, I think Wednesday night, I think it is, or yep. Wednesday afternoon for you guys. I mean, just to use an analogy for America sports, is that something you would see in America sports? Like a player isn't playing well in this, like, say, say one of Caroline Spurs, other Spurs <laughs> isn't playing well. But do, do, is that something you do? You, you knock on the manager, it's content a person that says, you know what, knock on my door. Or, you know, is, is he the someone who's so very much, you know, not pig-headed, but, you know, he's like, no, show me in, a, show me in training, you know, do, you know with, with the fingers, you know, show me in training what you're going to do. <laughs> and like I said, it's, for me personally, football's about making memories. When yep. you win, you lose. And yet it's the thing, people say, I thought we fought that second half, we put the pressure on. We second half, we came out of the traps, we came out early, noticeably early, and we put the traps on. We really went for United. I've seen Spurs teams shirk. It's two on down. It's like, oh, what are we going to do? There was fight there. If you have Christian Romero, there's obviously going to be a bit of fight there. Do you know what I mean? But I saw a bit of fight in our team. I saw that even when we went down 3-2, was, we were still trying. We weren't able to have the, the subtlety to get in, but I saw the fight there. And hopefully Conte will see that. He goes, you know what? I've got my imprint. Because under Nuno, if that's 2-1, that 2-1 becomes 3-1, 4-1. But under Conte, there has been a change. But he's only had one window. He's had no preseason. We are, you know, Conte is very good. A miracle worker, he is not. I think that's going to be, that was it, today's a rest day. Monday, they'll probably do the, they'll probably do the analysis. Monday, they'll look at what went wrong. And if I'm Bergwijn, I'm thinking this is my chance. If I'm ever going to put, if I'm ever going to have my, was it Wheaties or Wheatabix, we call it in this country, Wheaties in your country, this is the day to have them. This is the day you eat your spinach and you go out and training and you beast it to say, do you know what? I'm not going to knock on the, this is me knocking on the door. I don't know how you do it in American sports, but that's what I would think. And who knows? Because we're asking a lot of our players and we just don't have that quality enough in the team when things go wrong to have a plan B. Or, and also quality where, do you know what? There's dead, you think, oh, do you know what? I'll bring this guy on, I'll bring that guy on. I mean, I saw Winks, to his credit, he was playing a lot of forward balls and I thought Winks would be like sideways passer, you know? But he wasn't. He was actually looking to bring the ball forward. So, like I said, there is a shift, but how much of there's going to be a shift, I don't know. Well, since Shuvan did bring up my beloved San Antonio Spurs, I'm just going to pick up that thread because I do think it is a good analogy in this case. So Popovich just, you know, beat the record for most regular season wins for an NBA coach. I knew you'd fit that in somehow. I had to. (laughs) So proud of him. But, you know, it's a good point thinking about, you know, in terms of the bench a big part of San Antonio Spurs success has been that reliance on the bench players, um, you know, throughout the whole reign of Popovich, but especially in our last championship season. And I think it made the difference that he had this attitude towards the team that everybody can contribute when they're called upon. And we were famed for our bench uh, contributing more points than, you know, most other teams benches do. And I think that could be something that Conte might want to think about. Like it's, it's always that kind of double sided coin. Like you want to have the consistency of a, you know, having the same lineup every week so they can build upon it. But at the same time, you do run into the issue of having those overuse injuries if you don't rotate enough. And I think that could be kind of what we're seeing lately. And it would be, it would be good if he, had this attitude in the squad that 
you know, you will be called upon. You need to perform when you're called upon. I, I think Bergvine, you know, coming in for Sun, say on Wednesday, would be a great idea. Because uh, we know that that every time Bergvine comes on, he gives it his all. He He's a different player than Sonny, but I think he can still offer a lot on that left-handed side. And, you know, I, I think it was a good question in the voicemail. Sun, I'm always his biggest defender, but it does seem like he's running into a, a point now where he needs some rest, not just physically, but I think also mentally. I think that I, I've seen a lot of chatter about Sun being a very instinctual player, which I think is kind of true. And maybe that doesn't uh, always mesh with Conte's sort of regimented style, you know, planning everything out. So I, and I think it's not just Sun that has had that issue. Um, you know, quite a few of the players, they just, they, they do need a break. I, I think it's tough with Sonny because he's a player that's probably your second best player, you know, overall, uh, at least outfield player. I'll exclude Hugo from that conversation. Um, and he's a player that you kind of almost ride waves with. He'll have those three to four to maybe six matches where he's down. And I think that's the period that we've been in for a while, but then he'll, he'll go on a run of three or four to six games where he's, he's so high and he's, he's, he's a very, very much a form player. And like you said, a confidence player. And I think we've actually seen this since Conte came in that he's still adjusting to this system and it's not a system that suits his needs as much as even I think a three, five, two would where it's just him and Kane up there humming and, and, you know, the team sitting back and, and pinging balls forward to those two and letting them cook. We've seen elements of that at times, you know, Everton being the most recent and, and probably best example, maybe Leeds as well. Um, but I, I think it's really tough to simply bench a player like that based on his form um because that that form can always at the turn of a of a switch just come right back and you don't want to you don't want to miss that opportunity but you know on, on the other side of the coin yeah there's there's probably some mental fatigue as well as physical fatigue which we see with sunny sometimes but scott where are you, where do you sit with with sunny's form and kind of where he's been of late and where he's going forward yeah i mean i think I think asking should Sonny be set to the side for a match or two is a very valid question that should be discussed, you know, so I don't mean to scoff at it, but I, I will come in pretty, pretty straightforwardly, you know, that you never, you never bench son um, for kind of what you're getting at right there at the end of, of what you just said, Andrew, that, that you never know what you might be missing if he's not on the field. Right. Um, but my thing with Sun is this, and I, I think this is a real thing. I think Sonny, you know, I'll start by saying Sonny thrives when he's the main focal point. Anytime Kane goes down, Sun thrives. When he plays for South Korea, he bangs goals for fun. And at the international level, that's tough, right? Um, no matter what the competition is. And I say that because people, people will make comments on the level of competition in the Asian Federation, right? But Sun bangs goals for Korea. He's the captain. Um, it's not a coincidence to me that when Kane wasn't playing and Kane had his head turned and we were all angry with him, that Sun was on fire. I mean, he stepped up and said, I, I have to carry this team. He does it every time Kane goes down injured. The only anomaly is the Jose tenure. But if, 
you know, he played really well with Kane on the field. But Jose also beefed him up so much in the media in the early days. Like, Sun Hung Min is just as good as Harry Kane, world class. Like, you know, he really, really, really boosted Sun to the press. And Sonny also strikes me as somebody like, I, I don't know if it's cultural. I don't know much about, you know, the, the Korean culture to, you know, to, I won't even act like I do, but I can tell you his son and the way he speaks about his father, he takes that, you know, fathership and mentorship very seriously. Right. Like he, he, he's already said, I won't get married until I'm done playing football at my father's like demand or request. Right. Um, and so I think what I'm getting at is if his manager takes a similar approach like a Jose did, right, and really, really, really wrap your arm around him and say you're just as much of part of the central focus of this team as Harry Kane is, you see more out of Sun. So I think that Sun has to find a way to thrive with Kane on the field, and I don't necessarily think that's a Sun thing only, right? That's a Tottenham thing and a Conte thing, but it's got – it's evident that he will he will play better when he has more of a focal point in the offense right and with harry kane on the field there's not a single player on the planet that will get more of a focus than harry kane when he's on the field from an offensive perspective right he is the best striker on the planet in my opinion and that poses a challenge for sung hyo min right and i think there could be a compromise too when it comes to the question of does sunny start every game Maybe he does start every game, but if it's a case like the United game where he had, I think, not a bad first half, but then definitely had a steep drop-off in the second, that's when Conte needs to act decisively and bring in Bergvine instead, or Lucas, whichever it may be. I also think there's a conversation to be had about, you know, and, and it's not to say, the, the question is not a bad question. We're all kind of asking, what's up with Sonny? But it's it's tough when we're talking about this team as a whole and the lack of depth to then talk about, well, maybe we need to bench this team's second best player um, or who is at times their best player to, 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 to change something up. That's a really tough conversation to have when we're discussing, I mean, who would you bring, like, like you said, <clears throat> who would you bring in for Sonny? It would be Lucas or Bergvine and... Neither of those options well, are great. They're they're good options. They're not great options. It's not like anybody's banging down the door. Well, and I think one point that we have to 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 look at is right now we don't need the depth for fitness. Like we don't have many games left because we've played ourselves out of fucking everything, like morons. But <laughs> right. we we need the depth for from a tactical perspective. That's where we're missing it, right? Yes. Like not being able to make flexible changes, but at the same time more of why I say you keep playing Sun is we don't we don't have enough games for again to have a fitness problem and just let him play through it. Like that's the best way through this problem is to let him play straight through it in my opinion, right? So um if had had you know had we found ourselves in a few more competitions, sit his ass down for this next knockout in the Europa Cup League conference, whatever it is. And you know um yeah, I, so I think for that reason, you have to like, just like keep letting Sun play and he'll find his way through this mess, if you can even call it that. Yeah, when you consider that this week, uh, Brighton midweek, and then there's one more quote-unquote midweek game to play, and that's the game that hasn't been, been rescheduled yet uh, against you-know-who. Like th Those are the only double game weeks that we're going to have left in this season. I think it's, what are we down to now? 11 games left, I believe, um, if my math is, is correct on that. 
yeah, 11 games left in the season. So not like to your point, not a ton. Um, and I don't know, but before we get to kind of wrapping things up is, I, I think this is a short conversation, so I don't want to dwell on it too much. Is there even a top four discussion to be had right now or with 11 games left? Uh, can we just put that to the side? Because Spurs as it stands and Arsenal are playing right now. So kind of remove them from this conversation, but Spurs have fallen to eighth. Um, they are a full five points back of United now uh, with two games in hand on them, but there you've got West Ham, Arsenal and Wolves in between uh, that spot as well. And all of those teams, you know, Arsenal, as we know, with a game in hand after their result today, whatever that may be, we're recording this, this as that's going. I, I just I think at this point, it it's not even a conversation that needs to be had. Spurs, in my mind, would pretty much need to only drop points even in probably two maybe three of their remaining 11 games to even have a, a a prayer and that just seems like such a steep hill to climb when you've got games against liverpool arsenal uh and of course the the, the big rematch with burnley to play as well <laughs> like that's what we're looking at here right i i don't even know that top four is a discussion that's that needs a, a whole lot of attention i think at this point it's it's just a matter of playing out the string am i am i am i crazy about that i'm not saying that they're mathematically eliminated but it just feels like a silly conversation to be having at this point yeah maybe it's just not a productive conversation to have because i think too much of it relies upon our rivals for that spot dropping points as well and that's just completely out of our control so I kind of feel like at this point, it's, you know, kind of that managerial cliche, but we just have to focus on every game as it comes and not, not try to think too far in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agreed, Caroline. Well, well said. Um, I, I, I don't think I even, again, have the energy to, to start dissecting whether or not we can do that. Right. That's exactly honestly, where I'm at. <laughs> I, I don't know if we deserve it. Like, no, you, you we, have to we, win. You're 100% right. You have to win games like like yesterday if you yes. deserve something like that. And they didn't now, do it. Now, here's the problem why why this is a hard conversation to have. And I'm going to use Chelsea as an example. Like the year they missed, they got 10th. They signed N'Golo Conte and then won the league. You you we can't we cannot get 10th place in signing the an N'Golo Conte type player. Like they will not come to Spurs if we just finish 10th, right? So we don't have the luxury of being. Able I don't know. They might, they might. After everything going on in the world right now, they might actually be able to sign Angolo Conte. <laughs> I, well, I'm and honestly, all jokes aside, potentially. And so I think that, but that's productive to what I'm getting at because I right. think. For, no, it is because I think it's it actually is is ding on because I think Spurs are going to have to, if if we really want to progress, we need to do two things: we need to get top four, or we need to miss on Europe. We cannot find ourselves in Europa. Like Europa is not going to bring in any more talent than missing Europe will. And Conte can do a lot with a light schedule. Like literally data fucking tells us that every single day, right? So anyway, while, while I'm not going to root for that, while I'm not going to root for us to, to miss Europe entirely, I think there's an element of truth to what you're saying. And I think that the, the Antonio Conte, not the Angolo Conte of it all, has a lot to do. With, and he made comments about, you know, God, 
God knows Antonio Conte is going to make comments about his, his, his commitment to this club going forward. Cause he does that every fucking week, but that is, that is the, the, the key. And I think I'm, I'm just sick and tired of the Spurs fandom wanting to wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater with this guy. Like everyone is just really, really thinking that he is going to leave if, if they don't get, a certain spot and it's like well the way you get that certain spot is by by encouraging this guy to stay on and encouraging him to keep doing the work and you know that i think you're right though scott i think that's something that's going to happen if he's given the tools to do them going forward and your the europa conference league is not going to 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 be one of those tools it's it's him it's he's he's the guy that's the tools yeah and and so the last thing i'll say i know i know we want to move on but i think you know, to to your point about maybe we could sign an Angolo Conte, I think that speaks so much more to if we don't get top four, miss Europe, because we could actually like with a weird market and COVID and all of these clubs in, in turmoil, maybe bring a few guys in that Conte can do a lot with, maybe not like star-studded signings, but perfect Conte signings to round this thing out and make a run at next year. Like, anyways i could rant on and on about why i don't want these stupid european distractions it's top four or nothing for me um and i think either one is conducive to progression as a club right yeah and and if conte departs we all know that marisa pochino is not going to last in paris so we'll just open that can of worms and i'll run away from it now come home (laughs) baby we are ready for you i'll sack conte now for my boy Uh, i know you will uh disappointing I guess result for for the women's team, Caroline, but not a disappointing performance. I guess that's the way we we would sum it up uh, in a in a one nil defeat to City, right? Yeah, I think that's really fair to say. Um, it was a narrow loss, you know, one nil to City, and their goal was not even a particularly fantastic goal. Um, I will say Becky Spencer started in goal for us today, and just like she did in the reverse fixture, she was huge for us. She made a lot of great saves. Um, and she also was pretty good with her distribution too, which was something I kind of picked up on today for the first time. But in in the case of their goal, you know, she deflected it across the box and Rhea Percival had an opportunity to clear it. Just didn't happen. And Caroline Weir was there to sort of bundle it in. You know, these goals happen. It was a disappointing one to concede, but I take some, you know, comfort in the fact that they didn't walk all over us this time. Um, not that they did in the first game either. But, you know, we we really put in especially a good performance defensively other than that one error. And the the main problem was just that going forward, um, we had some bad luck with injuries today. Uh, Both Rachel Williams and Kaya Simon picked up knocks during the game. Simon actually had to go out at halftime and Williams didn't last too long in the second half. So that really took away a lot of our our attacking threat going forward. And I think we also were missing Jessica Naz in a big way today. You know, she's still injured and, um, and, and the reverse fixture, and especially in going against teams like this, where we do have to kind of rely on our counterattack to get at them. She's, you know, a big strength for us because she is so pacey. And yeah, so not having her was a bummer, but I'm, I'm still proud of how the team did overall. It's we're kind of in the same situation as the men's team where it's looking like Champions League is probably not going to happen now just because, you know, even getting just a point today would have been huge. But I think especially the Reading loss last weekend was really the moment where it was like, uh, this is probably not going to happen. Yeah. 
But either way you look at it, though, it's still been an incredible season, like record-breaking for the club in terms of points in the WSL. Some of the results that we've gotten have been, you know, real statement victories and or draws. So, you know, you, you can't complain too much. You, you get a sense of the vision that Rian Skinner has for the team. And I can only imagine that, you know, with another transfer window, we could see a huge leap forward even from this next season. Yeah, six matches remain for the women, and uh, next up they take on Chelsea. That's in about ten days, uh, the twenty third. So, um, you know, a, a lot to still play for. Obviously, um, you, you say probably not a Champions League berth, but if you win a couple of those matches, you get yourself right back into that conversation. So that would be that would be a, a cool thing to watch out for. Um, well, and I think real quick too, I think Caroline just brings up a great point that with the women's team, and I'm, I, you know, Caroline's forgotten more about them than, than I'll ever learn. I think at this point, you know, she's the expert, but they do f- from, even from the novice's point of view, have a clear vision that the fan can see. Right. And I would mm-hmm. love to see that across the entirety of our organization. And I'm an, I'm not talking about Enoch right now. Like I don't even want to have that conversation. No, you know, we're a well-run club, but I need to see more of the vision. And it doesn't need, there's so much smoke and mirrors behind what happens at this club at times. Right. And at least with Conte, we're seeing some of that removed, but well said, Caroline, that women's vision is clear. And I would love to see that across the, across the board. And I think a lot of that vision, unfortunately gets clouded by what I was talking about earlier with the, the, the discussions about Conte's, you know, will he, won't he um, future and, and, and some of his comments as well. It's just, it's, I think that's where the clouds start to form is when we talk about, will he be backed? Will he not be backed? And it's a lot more than just uh, throwing money at a problem, but uh, two games this week for Spurs. They, they uh, travel to Brighton on Wednesday for midweek match and then return home for uh, another London Derby West Ham um, next, next weekend. So two opportunities to, you know, make good um, against two really challenging opponents. You know, one of them, one of them above them still in the standings uh, and one of them, you know, not, not quite above them, but still, you know, we know that Brighton are, are a tough challenge on Wednesday. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. I, I don't really have much to say in terms of previewing this, this shit anymore. It's just uh, taking these games as they come and, and trying to, trying to see progression, trying to see results as we, barrel our way to us to a really important summer at this football club so it should be should be fun to watch we are literally just a like a huge boulder just barreling down a huge hill right now and like we could end up in a great place at the bottom of this hill or we could end up (laughs) on totally on fire and no one knows and in a way you know it's entertainment value so come on you fucking spurs yeah, let's just get behind the team, everybody. You know, there's there's been too much negativity lately. Like, results can be frustrating, but ultimately, we're here to support the team. Yeah, a- amen to that. Uh, here to support the team, here to support the Tottenham Depot as well. Leave us a rating and review uh, on your podcast app of choice, wherever that may be. Follow us on the socials at Tottenham Depot. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all those fine places. Follow uh, Shuban. Thanks again to Shuban for for popping in. I know he only had a limited time, but uh, really cool to hear about his experience at Old Trafford yesterday. Follow him at the Real Shuban. You can follow Caroline at CG Stefko. Follow Scott at DSM Spurs, and follow me at A Stetka. And again, at Tottenham Depot to follow the pod, interact with us, and send a voicemail like uh, like Christopher did. And uh, we will address it on the pod. Until next time. 
This has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>